top a yeah a little fishing hut actually um, that we've just kind of done a little bit of rock climbing uh, for today's edition of the show and we are looking uh, over the beautiful rocks and cove that is uh, Benaras Beach in the north of the island and I'm absolutely delighted to meet I'd say ex-resident really of this uh, particular beach she just moved so and um, we're really really grateful that she's come to join us here today um on this little fishing hut perch and I'm, I'm really happy to introduce today's guest which is of course Suzanne Faith Slocumgori. Welcome. Welcome. Uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you and um, I'm, you know July vibes it's kind of uh, as I've been saying to a few people you know the fact that you've actually made this time to come and meet me here is um, yeah really really sweet of you and I know that you're absolutely manic busy 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 teaching all over the island and then um, that is of course what you do obviously teaching your workshops and running retreats and um, your teacher trainings and courses and lots of other wonderful online programs and yeah it just you know I can't wait to actually sort of uh, find out lots and lots about you but you're not from Ibiza obviously no no I'm not from Ibiza we moved here I think it's been about three and a half years and we moved here from Vancouver Canada Vancouver British Columbia and why, why Ibiza? Well, I, we had been exploring Europe, my husband and I, uh, to land with our kids. And we, we hadn't had Ibiza on our radar, actually. And I came to visit a dear friend, Miley, and also to teach some workshops. And, and we landed here with just a, a lens of just being on holiday and relaxing and then we end up meeting some really beautiful people and then by the time we got back from to Canada we thought Ibiza would be a great way to land a, a soft way to land that's what we were thinking uh, and I mean Ibiza is soft in many ways and in many ways it's not <laughs> I was just about to burst into peals of laughter there because I think that's the impression you do get when you're on holiday it's like oh it's paradise and of course it is in so many many ways but there is a little a little uh, few obstacles to, yeah. to, to jump over when you actually do take that um, hurdle to well, sort of move here yeah and soft and that welcoming you know um, embracing we, I think well we landed and in a way I, I have felt very embraced by this place um, on, on many levels and my husband felt the same way and the kids too so uh, all of us are are, are you know we, we are receiving where there's growth there's vitality yeah so I think we feel we feel nourished by the place you're looking very nourished I have to say <laughs> you look fantastic and um I, you know, I've only really met you recently, and um, that's quite funny actually listening to you just tell me that because Miley has been trying to uh, tell me to come onto one of your classes for I don't know how many years, and so I had absolutely no idea that she was kind of you know I, I knew that she'd invited you to teach workshops and um, has always been raving about you, and that's Aww. exactly how I discovered and I've always wanted to come to your class. But through all the years, I only actually had the pleasure in the last few weeks. I think it was less than a month ago that I finally attended one of your classes at the uh, the open space, but the last one of the whole the whole season or before yeah. summer 
closed up. So I'm so glad I did. And of course, you know, she was like, she's the teacher's teacher. And I was like, okay, I'm going to get there eventually. And now I see exactly what she was talking about. So I'm so, yeah, I'm grateful that you have moved here. Well, that's why I said welcome to you, because I feel like I've heard a lot about you as well from many different people. So it's a blessing to... And here we are. Here Here we are sharing time together. Yeah, we are. And, uh, you know, we're going to have to set the scene a little bit because, as I said, we are perched on top of a a fishing hut in Benaras. And um, we did have to clamber over. Oh, my God. So beautiful. And the sun and people um, enjoying themselves. Well, there was a few naked bodies that we actually physically had to step over (laughs) to get up onto this fishing hut, which is nothing unusual. Yeah, Yeah, I think this island is a it's a reminder to. I feel that this island, they call it the White Island, right? So it's a it's an invitation for us to remember to step into the light. That's kind of how I really what I'm getting a lot from being here Mm. is to to step into what is the highest expression of of ourselves, you know? I don't know if that resonates with you, but... And, of course, that's a lot of work, so... <laughs> that, was, that was my next point. So, yeah. <laughs> it's not the easiest one, but um, definitely, I mean, you know, wherever you are in the world, I guess, but I feel like this place does kind of shine a light on the darkest corners of you and makes you kind of feel like you want to go on that journey to kind of, you know, explore those little crevices and, and yeah, absolutely shine a light in there and see how we can kind of make a, make a few changes. Yes. Absolutely. The thing is, is I think that whole process of um, that whole process of you know harnessing and creating harnessing your light requires us to to create a container, you know. And um, so I, I think for people to really uh, receive the gifts from this island, if you're going to live here, uh, I. I think it, you know, you got to figure out the little intricacies, the little subtleties, the little shifts that need to take place um, in lifestyle. <laughs> in lifestyle, um, anything from how you eat to your practices to shifts and of cognition and um, learning how to say yes at the right time and learning how to say no at the right time. <laughs> yeah, just really taking care of yourself so that you can uh, hold the the high vibration which light is light's high vibration so if you want to be able to hold it and spread it um, you have to have a strong container to do that Mm -hmm. how would you say you kind of you know keep the ship steadied so to speak because I feel like this is one of the hardest places in the world to you know be captain sensible so to speak well yeah I don't know if I figured it out I mean I'm figuring it out as I go along so but I have noticed that since I've been here, I've had to shift everything. <laughs> you know, everything from my, yeah, as I mentioned, my diet to, um, you You're know, just talking about avoiding, you know, the white bread and alioli. What are you talking about here oh, exactly, specifically God. in the Spanish yeah, no, lifestyle? No, I mean, I used to be uh, vegan, you know, and I, I, I just, uh, it's very challenging to do that here. It's not supporting my... Um, my capacity to to be to hold my presence and and to be present and to experience life you know for me to really truly embrace it and experience it I I need to uh, stay grounded (laughs) 
So mm. I've just been uh, eating differently. That would be a lot more grounding foods, so a lot more fats, a lot more proteins, things like that. Mm. Yeah. And then even just simple things of being mindful of, of the 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 behavior you know like how we interact and when we're interacting and finding the the time to just keep quiet when you need to keep quiet and to cool down when you need to cool down and it's very humid here so to stay dry when you need to stay dry (laughs) yeah I mean three yeah great great things that do need a lot of attention I think getting over stimulated here obviously with the social scene that exists is you know it's very hard to say no because there's so many amazing people here and of course you want to hang out with people you know most of the time or I do but I know that that's not good for me it's not it's not going to be uh, conducive to get me where I want to be and that's kind of like in a place of balance and taking that time you know for yourself away from the hustle and the bustle and the beaches and the parties or the you know the social engagements and there's always something going on you know I know that's not that different to anywhere else in the world but it kind of is in Ibiza Mm -hmm. and you know taking those quiet moments to sit at home and maybe just read a book or have an early night or make yourself some really amazing nourishing food that you know is good for you and makes you feel good you're going to wake up feeling light and bright Mm -hmm. you have to do that often here frequently that's right yeah And then just also with my practices, so whether I'm talking about my physical asana or my pranayama or my meditation practices, they really have had to shift a little bit. I find my practice pretty much goes out the window, my Mm self-practice, in the summer, and that also, of course, sends you completely sideways. So it's quite, you know, it is very, very much a discipline to keep that firmly in place in the summertime when you're busy teaching as well many many hours a day sometimes the last thing you feel like doing is getting up an hour or two hours earlier to get your practice in and the last thing you want to do at the end of the day mm-hmm. is do that before bedtime so it's quite hard I mean you know having read your biography just before you arrived um love a bit of last last minute dot com prep um <laughs> but I was kind of like whoa a little bit blown away I'm not gonna lie um so I kind of feel like I'd love to know whether a lady like you with such an incredible you know, background and so much knowledge and so much experience and, you know, do you still self-practice daily? Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure, We're, I mean, I have three kids and, and I work, so of course there's the days where it's just not going to fit in. But, I mean, I was talking about kind of this process of me having to be diligent about creating a vessel or a container just so I can well, survive and support my family energetically, um, that if I don't do my practices, I, I, I notice I, I just can't support others in the way that I, I want to support others. So whether it's my family or my students, um, so I might have, a, you know, I've tried. I've tried to kind of survive without doing my practices, but it just doesn't work. So I have to really schedule it in, like, like any other appointment and I have to be like put it in my calendar so for me um you know my meditation and pranayama practices are are right when the alarm goes off so before the family gets up when the sun is rising which is just it's super beautiful and if I have time to do my asana practice I'll do it then but often just because I have to go teach um sometimes my asana is put into um in the afternoon yeah and right now it's working out because I don't really have a big appetite for lunch I've noticed so 
I get home and might have, you know, a juice or a smoothie. And then, you know, my, my practice is often done right now, the asana practice with my kids or my kids are around. So it's very dynamic and full of livelihood. <laughs> Quite often interrupted as well. Yes, yes, very much interrupted. Although I, I've learned to just let it flow. The kids are old enough now. So they, they, come, they come in, they join in. Uh, they help me sometimes because I, sometimes I need them to stand on me. or <laughs> <laughs> And they like that. They, they like to get involved. Any particular yeah. position that sort of lends itself to the uh, support network? Yeah, well, I mean, sometimes in halasana, I get my two-year-old, my three-year-old to kind of sit on my pelvis. I think that feels really good. <laughs> and then my daughter likes to sit on my pelvis in Urva Dhanurasana, so I kind of lift her up. They all like to hang on me. <clears throat> in my downward dogs and yeah it sounds like fun I think I might yeah. come around and join in <laughs> yeah you should we'll make a big party of it it's almost like the acro yoga so yeah <laughs> amazing well that's inspiring to hear that because I know you know like I just said like once the practice goes out the window and you know my teacher Julie Martin from Brahmani Yoga um who lives in Hawaii and she's American as well and she yeah she said to me, you know, even if your asana practice goes out the window, you've got to keep your pranayama and your meditation in place. And that's what we did on my 500 hour in the morning was the meditation, and the pranayama every day. And wow, the difference I noticed after doing that every day without fail for a month was unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. The clarity I had after that. So, you know, it's not rocket science. We know that we need these things, but somehow we talk ourselves out of them because we're really lazy as human beings and discipline is not is not my middle name really and that's of course why this project was born the reset rebel because i think once things start to slip as they can do in ibiza it's hard to stay healthy here um i do believe being healthy here is a rebellious act that's what i call it and i feel like you know actually walking your walk and being authentic and keeping that stuff in place is, is, a, is an amazing thing you know so even if you don't do it every day I mean, it's hard mm-hmm. but I love people that do and that's why you are the teacher's teacher because you know to actually really do that every day and stay with something religiously is beautiful yeah uh, and I also thank you thank you well it is though <laughs> it's just a fact well I I I do find that you know we're all very unique beings with um, innate capacities and different constitutions so and our capacities are unique so that we can live out our, our own unique potential which you know many of you already have heard before so but I meaning I say this because the, the discipline thing it, it yeah maybe it, it comes a little natural for me so where does it come from? Yeah, I mean, it's, that's what I'm bringing up is that I, I feel that when you are connected to your truth and you're, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, <laughs> that the... I should take some shades yeah, off. <laughs> I, at the strength, the, the wisdom, the intelligence is all given to you, so it doesn't have to be so cognitive. Mm-hmm. And, and it's when I stop practicing that I lose... The, the discipline it's it's when I keep practicing that it just keeps pulling me towards it you know so it's it's fueling me with the the commitment mm-hmm. that's so interesting because you know of course the effects that you receive from it are unbelievable but somehow 
even if I leave my mat like right in the middle of my lounge you know so it's there I have to actually trip over it to get to the kitchen in the morning to make a cup of coffee it's like I still can persuade myself it's not it's not what I need you know it's not the answer I haven't got time I'm too tired or you know and I just love I love people that can really stick with something discipline I'm actually starting to understand um obviously for myself but also I just think discipline is I used to just think, oh, God, I don't want to be disciplined. I don't want to be one of these boring people. Actually, discipline and routine are amazing things, and they create the space for amazing things to happen. And I don't think I've ever really looked at that properly until recently, and I'm starting to see that actually <laughs> those two things are amazing and can take you to some magical places yeah, if you have I mean, a bit of tenacity. Yeah, I mean, what is it? Yoga Sutra 1.12, I believe. Yeah, just through consistent practice we begin to still the mind and open the heart but I think it's important to remember that we can't be attached to it either you know that that's you can be dogma is being dogmatic about your practices can be really um, contractive you know so and and I also think when you begin to look at your practices that are you know beyond the yoga mat so when we really begin to look at our, our practices as the, the teacher or the teachings are the little engagements that we're having all day long, you know, mm. those become our, our yoga teachers. The way we respond to them, the way we move through them, the way we receive them, you know, let them move through us and then how we, you know, interact with it. It's this, that's it becomes our yoga so and, and you know so you walk by your yoga mat but I mean you're involved in so many amazing projects that are serving others you know so you're obviously in your yoga <laughs> well, I, I like to think that this podcast is yoga off the mat yes, and the fact that yes, we are absolutely. trying to give back to people that are suffering from you know anxiety and depression and loss and you know people who are in pain basically we're giving them free retreats and therapies and sessions and there are so many wonderful things right now on our website on the resetrevel.com but that's why I was loving reading about your biography because I had no idea that you worked with people with addiction um Mm -hmm. back in Canada because you're not from Canada though no I actually I did the addictions when I was in the states and I'm from the states so um that was during one of my postdoctoral studies at UCLA So the University of California, Los Angeles. So it was when I was living in Los Angeles and I was working at the Neuropsychiatric Institute. And at that point I was, um, you know, my my doctoral studies was in counseling psychology. So I was brought in from from a kind of a counseling psychology standpoint. But I, I had already been quite immersed into yoga and been teaching yoga and doing teacher trainings. So... I received funding from the federal government to uh, utilize some of the practices of yoga as a means to support to support people with addictions. So we ended up, um, yeah, using a clinical trial to test some of the the qualities of yoga for addictions. And but what was the, what I was, was also the... in many other studies too that were outside of yoga that in various interventions that were used. And so we worked with different populations within the addictions, but I, we mostly, the lens was going to um, uh, depression and anxiety at a clinical level 
because the, the mental health and addictions go hand in hand. So the interventions were focusing on mental health with the uh, aim to reduce the addictions. So, um, so the, the work I did really uh, integrated everything from asana to pranayama to meditation to contemplation to journaling, um, lots of breath work. So it was an integration of it all. And, and what were the results? Oh, I mean, yeah, the, the yoga group was, was clinically, um, yeah, the, the, it showed a clinical st- statistical significance, the intervention did, compared to the group that didn't have the yoga. And we looked at all kinds of things. We looked at, um, of course, depression and anxiety, but we also measured um, things like family functioning, so people's ability to function within family, um, social functioning, social anxiety, insomnia, chronic fatigue. <clears throat> so I, I can't quite remember every single one of the out because those were all the various outcomes we measured. But it definitely had an impact on depression and anxiety. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then from addictions, I, I moved into cancer. So I started cancer in 2007. And I'm still working with addictions, but not in like a, a formal, I, you know, I worked in, in the formal institution then. So, and, and then I worked with cancer in the cancer agency, uh, worked with interventions at the university with research, and then I worked at this integrative health clinic. And then within my studio that I started, I, I held cancer classes. I mean, how do you think yoga works, though, with, like, people with depression and anxiety, for example? Do you know what? I'm just going to just realize it's a little bit windy, and I didn't put the muff on the microphone. That's yeah, why people that. are experiencing slight wind. I'm just going to pause this for a moment. Okay, we're back. We're muffed up. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we'll go back to talking about depression and yeah. anxiety at <laughs> the back of that. But, I mean, you know, seriously, how, you know, what is the magic of yoga that tackles those two things so brilliantly well? I mean, it definitely works for me. I've definitely suffered from those issues. And I know that yoga, meditation are definitely two things that sort it out pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Well... I mean, we can we can get right down to the physiological kind of response from yoga with the nervous system. I mean, one, it's going to slow the brain waves. Um, it's going to uh, stimulate some lymph nodes to help with immunity. It's it's going to um, move the blood through your body. So cardiovascularly, you're you're getting um, a little pump of oxygen through your body, which is full of um, vitality and it gives you this feeling of life and uh, the parasympathetic nervous system so the nervous system that restores uh, can get triggered to help with restoration you know especially with um, burnt out adrenals um, and any kind of organ um, stagnation or organ fatigue you know so the nervous system kicks into restoration really supporting all the organs so I I think from just a basic physiological standpoint you're you're going to you're going to feel good it's hard it's hard not to feel good (laughs) but I think also like theoretically or philosophically from that perspective I mean yoga it, it it teaches us that you know life is full of cycles 
and you know life is is full of pulsation so life is up and it's down and it's front and back and it's left and right and it's night and day so there's times where you're going to feel down you know there's going to be times where you feel heavy and and then I think the most important thing for us to remember is to just let go with that not not resist it so much you know because it's the it's the resisting of it that gets really contractive but if you just almost let go more in into like yeah this is this is part of this cycle of humanity <clears throat> then you're more likely to connect to what i call like you know the inner guru i mean if you look at guru if you break that word down um you know gu gu it, it means uh like darkness you know and then ru means um going towards the light so guru is like it's the process of moving from the darkness to the light you know i, I love that because i think that's important for everyone to remember that it, you don't really discover light until you're you're a little bit in the, the darkness yeah <laughs> exactly exactly that and I think you know it, it's just acceptance really yeah, acceptance. of everything for me that's that's what the message I've been receiving really since I've been going through this process for the last wee while and it is just like yeah you know we're not trained to think that being fe- feeling bad is normal and we're trained to think that I think you know being happy all the time is where is how it should be mm-hmm. but and what a crock of crock of old shit that is because mm-hmm. that's just not life mm-hmm. and when you are feeling terrible actually that's just actually normal and just accepting that and rolling with that and just going into that hole wherever that may be and take you is is just something that we just have to just accept and you know just and I think, move with yeah move with and exactly move with I, I think also if you begin to shift your cognition like it is a lot of it's like let me turn my perspective although that's easier said than done for many people but if, if we can get in our body and out of the head a little bit, <laughs> then we have a little bit more power to work with the mind. I think when the mind is spinning out of control, we, where we, lose, we lose power. You know? So you want to plug back in, and that process of plugging in and is grounding or also just getting into the body is one way to get grounded. But then, you know, when we can switch perspective to think, okay, you know, this heaviness, this stagnation, begin to look at it as nourishing. Like, I I love to look at, like, the dark soil as, you know, rich, nutrient-fed earth, you know? I mean, they say that, like, right now, all of the permaculture research is showing, you know, it's all about the soil. Don't focus on the plant so much. Sure, you got to get the bugs off the leaves, but no, it's all about the soil. So I think about that with us too. Instead of us focusing, oh, I want to get better, or I want this job, or I want this kind of essence, or I want to be this. It's like when we're in that heavy stagna- stagnation, can we just let that, that dark, heavy place be nourishing for us by letting go into it? You know, or it's in, in the womb. When the baby's in the womb, the womb is super dark, and, but super nourishing. Everything is there, you know. So if we can get the support network, that's the key thing. If you can get the support ne- network to support you while you're going through that heavy time, mm-hmm. then in the end it's going to lead to the lotus flower. The thing is, is I just think our culture doesn't have the, 
the support network. You know, so many people are so busy, they don't have time to just let go and just be. And what do you do when you start to feel bad? You kind of like you're probably on your own and you're probably on social media like browsing around what everybody else is up to and I think the pattern for a lot of people not just me but you know people I've spoken to are just kind of almost kind of looking at everything they haven't got and worrying about all the things they think they should have or worrying about everything that everybody else seems to have that they don't and actually the message I've also been kind of understanding a bit more recently is that you know it's just all about appreciating like the now and all the things that you do have and just really enjoying those even if they are just the most simple basic things like jumping in the water here at Benaras on a daily basis that's always available it's free and those are just the most amazing things that make you feel good and as soon as you start to feel good again you can start to see the bigger picture and it's just all it's just taking basic steps on a daily basis to feel good and once we feel good everything falls back into place again it does and it, it comes with what you were just saying that I mean in some of the lineages of yoga that I come from it's they say that yoga is the art of remembering you know, or if you look at counts, you know, the basics of modern psychology, it all starts with cognition, like switch. It's not that like, okay, just by switching cognition, all of a sudden your deep wounds are going to be healed, but it's the first step. Like here I go, you know, or even just in, in these old ancient yoga sutras, 1.1, it's like now the yoga begins. It's like, here I am. I'm going to step into remembering my breath. I'm going to step into remembering that my body is here and it's strong and it's got lots of capacity. Or even just remembering what you're talking about, appreciating what we have. I mean, the Buddhists, they're, they're, they're the gurus on gratitude. I mean, gratitude is like the practice of expanding the heart like crazy because you just step into gratitude every day. I, you know, I'm grateful for my breath. I'm grateful for this food on my plate. I'm grateful that I have family. I'm grateful that the sun is shining. Yeah, these little things. After camping last weekend at Latitude Festival, um, you know, I mean, poor poor me going to a music festival and suffering such a extreme, you know, um, basicness. But I have to say, when I got back to Ibiza, and I didn't actually have any kind of bathroom facilities other than the ones at the festival um, campsite until I got back here was the first time I got into the shower and I was like and and you know went to the bathroom and in fact I did go to a, a really lovely restaurant my client took me out for lunch on the Tuesday uh, Monday sorry before my flight in this lovely restaurant in Broadgate and um, I was like god just yeah. just the little things Simplicity. that we just take for granted using a toilet and it flushing I mean my god clean what a, water wow yeah Exactly. I just never felt so grateful to sit on a real proper toilet in my whole life. And for all those people out there that need validity in order to step into something, I mean, they've even done all these tests on the practice of gratitude, like literally looking at, you know, the brain waves from the practices of gratitude. You know, the, the simple act of turning your attention to, I am grateful for my breath. You know, I am grateful for a flushing toilet, (laughs) whatever, Mm -hmm. that it slows the brain down and, you know, opens up different parts of the brain that allow um, emotions to be felt and allow prana to flow. And yeah, this is another reason why I just love to spend my winters in India, because I feel like, you know, the pure joy and the the absolute simplistically beautiful living that, that goes on over there. That I, that's what I do when I go. I don't go and stay in a fancy pants villa or a great big house or mm-hmm. I just have a shack on the beach. And my God, I'm just the happiest and the most grounded that I could ever be in my whole working year. I, I really find those 
one or two months that I spend there and I'm very lucky to be able to you know they really are the most nurturing and nourishing ones for me where I'm really just going back to basics and yeah of course I really appreciate when I get back to Ibiza and have my flat back and all the wonderful things that are there but somehow those real reminding moments of like how beautiful life can be when it is at its most simplistic are just magical yeah exactly it's the it's the art of simplicity and I think we can all <clears throat> we can all <clears throat> take a look at our life and and ask ourselves where can we simplify you know mm. where can we simplify and I think that whole that whole process of simplifying your life is is it's not an easy task especially if people have been in full life with lots of <clears throat> roles and responsibilities and possessions you know luxuries like yeah. Ibiza so uh, I mean at the same time Ibiza also invites people to be simple because um, it's it's an expensive place to live so but um, I think everyone can can take that time to really begin reducing you know Reducing roles, reducing responsibilities, getting back to the basics. Yeah. But, you know, you know, you see that time and time again on retreat here. It's like people come with all these, like, sort of high expectations of how it's going to be and there'll always be sort of one person on a retreat, perhaps, that comes in kind of, you know, complaining and moaning and, you know, having a real kind of thing, perhaps, with something. And actually, through the course of that week, through the yoga, as all the kind of release work happens and the remembering that you just pointed out, that person will always just completely relax and just accept the situation mm-hmm. and understand what an amazing position, wonderful group, beautiful house, incredible island they're on. They're just all of that stuff goes out the window. And, you know, people always arrive with stuff like we all do. And when we came here as well, it's, it's just, I don't know, there's some, something very magical that happens in Ibiza mm-hmm. and a very amazing transformation that happens all the time here, time and time and time again. And I just, that's for me is why I stay here because I just, I just love watching that. Yeah, I mean, the energy here is, uh, um, what, do, what do I, if, if, I, if I try to define grace, <laughs> I, I call grace the, the revelatory power. I mean, it, it reveals its revelations, that the, the, the energy here, grace, she's here to awaken you. So, I mean, that process of awakening is not always comfortable, you know, it's, it's, we're unfolding, we're being reshaped, um, recalibrated. So uh, that's not always a comfortable process, but, you know, in the end, when there's awakening, there's more understanding, um, and with more understanding comes it just to, that much closer to peace, you know, that just that internal, that internal feeling of just being at peace, even if it's fleeting, you know. <laughs> You know, so I, 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 I can feel it. You know, you get off the airplane here and if you're, if you're tuned enough, you know, you, you can feel the, the dynamism of it all. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, a lot of people just, you know, obviously know of this island as one for partying, but actually there's just such a healing energy here. And it is one of the, you know, this, this, the healing scene here is just expanding and growing and, you know, getting more rooted and, and really finding its you know, it's energy here and yeah. it's growing at a rate of knots and it's, you know, it's expanding and it's, it's an amazing thing that we are doing this podcast. I think is also to kind of highlight that this is what this island is really more about, I feel somehow, than, than the party scene because it's such a small part of the island. 
Yes, I mean, I don't, I, I, I'm kind of up north here and have three kids. So I don't really know that party scene. But I do, I'm having a beautiful uh, experience with the healing industry here. And I call it an industry because it kind of is. But at the same time, it's, um, there are some amazing healers here. Um, some very uh, experienced and, and people that have um, themselves been refined. You know, so they've refined their own uh, inner landscape so that they, they have this wisdom. I'm meeting some, some people that are, are really holding a beautiful wisdom. Can I ask who? Um, well, uh, let's see. I mean, anything from Daya to Diana to Leor. Um, these are just some yoga teachers and some some healers but I even just look at students that I teach um, and then also you know when I've I've worked with different body workers and I'm not even forgetting it I can't remember everyone's names but the way that they work with the body and then obviously people that are working with a lot of energy so I mean there's different Reiki masters on the island and um and people that don't really label themselves with any kind of particular uh, modality. They're kind of using multitude, multiple modalities. There's a lot of, yeah, sort of chameleons really on the healing scene. And I find it, you know, it's a fascinating thing because you go, oh, right, I need to go and I want a treatment today. I feel, you know, a bit out of whack or I'd mm. like to go and experience something. But sometimes trying to locate the right person for the right it's 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 a bit it's a bit tricky. It's almost like trying to find the right teacher training. I mean, good God, if you tried to go out there and find a good teacher training these days, I mean, if, and you know nothing about yoga and you just want to take that first step onto the rung of the first yes. ladder, like where That's to a begin? Big decision. Yeah, I know. It's true. Yeah. So I you I, I find the word of mouth always is a great way to to begin that whole journey of looking for the right healer or looking for the right teacher training. But yeah, and also not to rush through it when it comes to teaching, selecting a teacher training, not to rush through that decision. Because it, it is a big investment, and there's so many trainings on the market. So just taking your time to look at which one's going to suit your, your objectives, you know. Is your objective to deepen your practices? Is your objective to um, immerse with a certain, do, do you have a certain clientele that you're looking to teach? And, you know, what kind of skills do you need to gain to appeal to that market or to serve that market? You know, so if your market is athletes or is your market prenatal or is it palliative care or is it vinyasa studios with, you know, my target market might be in the 20s, 30s kind of students. Um, So I think that... Different teacher trainings are going to offer different things. Mm. Well, absolutely, mm. and it is it is a big investment, and um, yeah, you definitely kind of need to get a little bit clearer. I mean, mine was with a lady called Linda Dantal, who is a vinyasa flow teacher, and she lives in London. And yeah, I did it in Goa, and you know, I knew that I wanted to create some sort of flow thing with music. So for me, that was perfect. Mm-hmm. Kind of being able to kind of know at the end of that month, I would yeah. have something I could infuse with my my music background, and to me, that was the primary objective. Really, was to mix the two things together. And that's exactly what I got out of that. So I was really, really, really happy. But it took me ages to find it. And I, you know, I was chatting to somebody at the Latitude Festival, working in the healing fields there, about the, this idea that sometimes people that work in the healing world 
um, and that are really, really successful and not necessarily the best healers. They're perhaps people that are very good at marketing. Maybe they had a marketing background before and I had never thought about it from that perspective because, you know, obviously if you're top rating on Google, you've got to have a little bit of experience in that department. That's not something I'm very good at. And I do wonder how the best teachers really get found because, of course, word of mouth is the main thing but if you are going to go to India I mean I'm not going to get word of mouth about a teacher over there do you know what I mean I don't live in India so it is tricky to find it is very tricky to find but you run teacher trainings don't you yes I do I run teacher trainings and I used to run them in Canada and the states and then um, now I'm offering them here I've also done teacher trainings in Italy and the UK Mm -hmm. so now I'm offering Right now I'm doing my 200 hours in Ibiza and my 300 hours in Barcelona. I saw that actually because I was almost, yeah, a little bit tempted I have to say. Mm -hmm. And it's Anyasara is kind of where you're at right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I am. I'm a certified Anyasara teacher. Um, Before that I was licensed um, as a teacher with a school under the name of Yoga Works, which is Ashtanga and Iyengar blend. Um, so I was licensed with them. You studied with BKS Iyengar. I just can't get over that. Having read that, I was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. And I'm just so sad that he obviously only recently left this world. But um, mm-hmm. how was that? Well, you know, I, you, you know, he, you hear all about him. And, and so you always wonder, is he what you hear? And so he is. He's, he kind of blew my 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 mind and my heart open I mean his he was in his 80s and you know I'd go and put my we had had these open practice sessions for hours every day so I'd always go put my mat right down next to him I noticed a lot of people wouldn't put their mat near him and I'm like I'm gonna go put my mat (laughs) down near him Uh, and just watch him practice with all of his props and to watch him breathe and, and just to see the pictures of him and then to see him. I mean, the man's rib cage was like the size of Mount Kailash, you know. <laughs> and just to see every breath he took being so mindful and so long and, and luscious, you know. And then his sharp eye. I mean, he was there teaching his granddaughter who he was prepping to take over the institute after he passed away. So he was really working her. I mean, she was in her young 20s. And uh, he obviously had a team of people that could be teaching her, but he wanted to do it himself. So, you know, the the way that he was teaching her in his 80s, just being so clear and sharp uh, and and fierce. I mean, you hear that he's fierce, and he is an incredible fierce being, yeah. Yeah, the fierce yogi. Those two yeah. words don't really fit together, do they? But I have seen videos of his teaching, and I, oh, yeah, his rib cage. Like yeah. that's definitely something I notice, and it's hard to miss it, isn't it? It's huge. Uh, and his, yeah, and the, his the mobility in his spine. Um, you know, to see that kind of muscle mass at that age, you know, you don't really see that. You know, you don't. I mean, because we all we all know muscles deteriorate with age. So, um, you know, our joints need muscles. They really do. I mean, it's our joints need the muscular structure to support the joints. Joints, we need joints for movement. Movement's what stimulates our cells to keep growing. I mean, without movement, we we deteriorate. So uh, that was that was really beautiful to see. And and so my trainings are Anusara, Iyengar, kind of Ashtanga blend. Um, 
a balance of strength and flexibility and there's a, a very big integration of um, tantric philosophy and a lot of um, meditation and pranayama um, components everything from practical to um, teaching methodology so we actually practice it but also the methods behind it as well what, what you know you say with this sort of tantric philosophy I mean what does tantra mean to you because this is obviously something that this island sees quite a lot we've got a tantra festival coming up which I'm thinking about going to in October just for a laugh really more well, than any other reason I know that's a bit childish but no, you know, no. I, you know yeah. people talk about it all the time and it's just sort of like everyone associates it with just a load of perverts getting together to sort totally. of you know get it on with each other which does happen in some places so I'm intrigued from your perspective yes. I've studied the yogic philosophy of tantra in my 500 hour with an amazing man called Emile Wendell, which I, I don't know if you know him, but anyway. No, I don't. Yeah, he's awesome, and I found it fascinating to sort of go a little bit deeper into a side of it, which obviously isn't all about sex. Mm. So, so from yeah, your we perspective... Don't really, we don't get into any of the sex. But, <laughs> oh, um, no. I know. <laughs> I know, I'm very hesitant to use that, the tantric philosophy um, c- kind of labeling or identifying as well. Um, but because... The philosophy and theory is part of my darshan, or it's part of my lens now, and the way that I I operate. I, I um, and it's been so awakening and supportive. So um, it's definitely part of my teaching methodology. So I guess if you break it, um, break tantra down. I mean, tan means to stretch, and tra means um, like a like systematic. So Tantra is um, a system of expansion. It's, um, it, tantra also means to weave. So it, it's this process of um, weaving um, all of your, your components together, you know, and then using very systematic um, practices to expand. So uh, it's this... this uh, this journey of of learning to see what you're not seeing, um, and engaging and embracing with 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 everything, with with engaging with life, engaging with yourself. You know, in classical yoga, it, it, well, I mean, what would we do without classical yoga? It's the root of tantra, basically. Tantra is fed off of classical yoga, but some of these classical um, approaches, are, you know, the way that the lens, the way that you see the journey of yoga is very different. Like in classical yoga, the, the aim is to, you know, move out of your body. And, and liberation is through the expansion of the mind and, and you are not your body. You know, you don't want to identify with your body. You are not your emotions. You, you're, you're not those fluctuations of the mind. But in Tantra, it's very different. You know, no, you are your body. And your emotions are also very much part of who you are. And, and so are the fluctuations of the mind. And so are all your relationships and all your roles and all of your duties. And, and that it's about really engaging and embracing with all these various elements of, of life, of humanity. And, and then it's through those practices of engagement that we begin to expand. So when I mean expand, I'm really talking about our awareness. So um, I'm not necessarily talking about expanding your, your, you know, your quadriceps. Although in my yoga, we do really stretch the quadriceps. You have got some great quadriceps going on there. 
<laughs> no, the the ta- you know this the Anyasara yoga. It's it's brilliant. I mean, it's a, a very systematic approach to the body too. Like, the you have these principles that once as I really started embodying them, my practice changed. My joints changed. Um, so it's a it's. How do your joints change, and how do you notice that? I just this this fascinates me. Well, I, I I'm doing a workshop these last two years on joints, so I think I'm fascinated with it. I mean joints. What I mean, you know, you have your shoulder joint, your hip joint, your elbow. I mean, your fingers and your hands have you know dozens and dozens of joints, and I, I, I begin to look at joints like uh, they distribute your your prana, you know. And they're how prana moves through you. Of course, prana is moving through fascia as well. But if your joints are not stable and open, then, well, prana becomes incredibly contracted in the body. So um, because in Tantra, we are our our body, you know. And I I am a lover of um, somatic healing, you know. And our body, it holds... I love that, 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 that teaching that nothing's ever lost, you know, because so much of what we experience is actually stored in the body. So, uh, you know, a, lo- a lot of the, the yoga, the asana I work with is, it really, the, my intention behind every action is very therapeutic. So we're here to cleanse the body um, and to create a, a stable body so that prana can can move through it efficiently i mean this idea that you know people say that the asana practice really with the yoga is is about kind of removing the blockages so the things or the emotions or you know the feelings that get trapped in our body or the kind of um thoughts or whatever you want to kind of describe them as but would you say you know from your perspective is that what kind of maybe getting on the mat is is more connected to that getting on the mat is a way to get the blockages you know kind of um removed from from our physical body i think ultimately yeah but sometimes depending on where someone is i mean someone i taught this morning i I mean he just needed to get out of the head so we weren't really too worried about (laughs) removing blockages from his body because he just had to get out of his head he needed to be in his body so we just breathed and and um we did focus on a fair amount of strengthening. Mm-hmm. That's interesting because for me, that's how I've always, always, always described my class. It's like, mm-hmm. the, what's the purpose of it? To get out of my head and into my body. That's always what I've said. And I don't know where I got it from, but that's always just... And the way I do that with the people that come to my class, which is far less kind of like of a, of a spiritual nature, but it's more about the music. So, But for, for me, to have 90 minutes of amazing music that people can connect to and be like wow, I love this track, love that track, love the other track. They completely forget what they're doing. And before you know it, 90 minutes has flown past. And they've not, yeah, of course, they've been in that class and they've done the whole class. They kind of almost forget they've done it. And, you know, for me, that is the best thing in the world. Like, music is my tool to make people forget what they're up to. And I think that has always been my way to get out of my head and into my body, whether that's in the gym or going for a run or, you know. And then when I started to do yoga, when I met this teacher called Sally Brooks in Brighton, who was this kind of sort of 60-year-old um, Madonna-esque looking um, incredibly muscular incredibly lean incredibly inspiring women who taught a flow class and when she used to teach it in sort of like circuits around the mat really with like sort of adding on sequence by sequence by mm-hmm. choreographed 
uh, round, as she called it. I mean, and then it became almost like a flow to music through the final sort of 10 minutes when we put everything we'd done together. That was it. I was sold. I was becoming a yoga teacher like next week. Mm, and, yeah, you know, for me, that was that. the moment where I was like, this is it. I'm doing it. And um, I think that's what I got out of her class was exactly that. Just getting out of my crazy mind and into my beautiful body. And yeah. just what a gift that is. Absolutely. I mean, and the music. I mean, I used to use music for like the first 10 years of my teaching every class. I spent so much time using, making music lists. I mean, now now I don't use the music because I, I focus on breath and we do a lot of chanting mm. and I play my Shruti box a lot. But, I love um, your Shruti box. It is amazing. <laughs> but music is, I mean... <laughs> it's it just expands the heart like no other i mean it's and it's been in music has been part of lineages for thousands of years i mean it's a way to expand awareness i mean thank god for music you know i i think music is like a it's like storytelling or if you shamans have you know five main modalities if you like compare shamans across the globe um but one of their I can, I'm, I'm going to forget to go through all five right now. One of them is connect to your body. Um, one of them is to remember yourself. I'm going to forget these right now. But I remember the last one is um, a healing modality, storytelling. You know, And I, I feel like music in so many ways is, is, like a, is telling a story. You know? and, and in shamanism, it's like storytelling is healing because you you personally relate to a story and then as you relate to a story you know you begin to release things or things are stirred up or things are coming up and out and I think sometimes when a song plays whether it has lyrics or not there's a there's a story to it you know it's stirring things up on the inside you can feel it you can feel the emotion you can feel the bob you can feel the sensation that music generates yeah, and that's why I think all these amazing yoga and music festivals are popping up around the globe. You know, I used to teach at one called Wanderlust, and um, there's I think there's many happening in Europe. And mm. Wanderlust was probably one of the originals. Yeah, I would say. Yeah, you know, kind of. But you know, I, I mean, even before Wanderlust was on the scene, you know, I maybe taught festival quite a few times there's like a little healing field there I mean it was always such a small almost like an afterthought really these festivals but that was the fun part you'd get someone wandering in at like nine o'clock in the morning with eyes as wide as saucers and you know would suddenly just sort of jump in at the back and like have probably the best moment of their entire life they've never done yoga before high as a kite and they walk out and they're like you know honestly just like it was like just magic the pure pure joy and actually I don't I don't have any objections to that type of thing happening actually I almost think it's one of the best things ever because you're just like introducing yoga to people that may maybe would never ever make it to a yoga class and the fact that they've just done it while well, they're completely yeah. off their face <laughs> at the time of their well, life God, yeah, I haven't really been to those kind of festivals <laughs> Wanderlust was pretty clean but um just totally. to, yeah just to incorporate the music with the yoga classes yeah but somehow I always, because of the Joga Beats, you know, title of my class yes, and the yes, fact that I used right. to do the music journalism thing, yeah. I've always taught and been asked to teach at, you know, for example, Snowger at Snow Bombing with a DJ. Yeah, and okay. like, you know, people are, you know, if they're yes. not out of their head in that particular moment, they certainly were the night before. So exactly. whatever you're doing is like pure kind of uh, fixing, fixing That's work. Exactly. And um, you've got to make them laugh because there's no other way to get somebody into a yoga class in that state without yeah. torturing them senseless, without mm-hmm. either distracting them 
or amusing them and entertaining them and keeping them there. So that's why Mr. Yeah. Motivator, for example, was always so popular at snow bombing. But also, you know, like uh, the Oasis Festival in Marrakesh and Morocco, of, mm. you know, dance music festival. And people's, you know, they don't wake up in the morning and go, oh, I fancy a yoga class. They, they just stumble across it. And you have to take advantage of that sheer opportunism to grab them and get them engaged with it. And mm. that, for me... That's where the fun stuff happens yeah. because um, I quite like catching people by surprise and making them, you know, making them like yoga because I'm so passionate about, you know, making people feel good. And I, that's my sole purpose, I feel like. Like, that's what I want to get out of giving someone a yoga class. I just want them to walk out of that room feeling yes. amazing. It's and if bit. that's all it is, that's enough for me. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's a privilege. It truly is a privilege to teach beginners, you know, to see that spark and to get them hooked uh, and to be to be a part of that that crazy kind of flash opening, I think it's a blessing to be to be with beginners. Yeah, no, we are unbelievably lucky, and there's not one day really that goes by after I've just taught yoga that I don't go, wow, you know, I love my job. I really, really, really do. And Ibiza mm-hmm. can be quite a challenging place to be a yoga teacher because mm-hmm. there's less dedicated student following because of the nature of the seasonality and the hard working in the summer and the switching off in the winter the slight you know uh, <clears throat> distractions yeah. that can crop up and lead people to engage with other paths than the uh, the most healthy existence and also um, just the sheer sort of sporadicness the spreading out of the healthy little corners and pockets of studios and uh, you know the fact they have to get to private classes like down these crazy mad craggy roads mm. you must have experienced a bit of that yeah, I mean, I have to say, I've been very, yeah, impressed and, and blessed with a group of students that are super committed. I've, I've been, my heart's just blown open by these group of students that come to practice with me. It's really been super, um, yeah, there's an intimacy between me and them, and it, uh, and, and then from that intimacy, we, we all grow together. So there's things happening uh, in the classes that I'm teaching here that, yeah, I haven't really, they're unique. They're, I haven't had that happen the way it's happening here. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. And so it's a, a group of, of students that are super committed. Uh, it's just a small group. And, uh, yeah, there's so much, but there's so much yoga on this island, and so many amazing yoga teachers. So I just feel blessed to, to even be have to have a community of students here that are willing to walk the path with me mm-hmm. and uh, to share to share in the teachings. We share Is this them at together. the open space that yeah. you, you, you're talking about? Yeah, at open space. Yes, mm-hmm. that's a special place there. But I also, at the same time, I, I would love to explore. A different community on the island as well like I um, you know open space has a it's a small community because not very many people know about it mm-hmm. so it, there are times where I feel like there would be I'd love to meet new students um, especially in and around Ibiza or in and around Santiago so for me I think that's going to require me to just um, keep going with my Spanish because mm-hmm. my Spanish is not evolved yet so. It's a great source of shame for me as well. I mean, <laughs> I really do put time and effort into it, but it's still not the way it should be after five years, and that's something I'm, I'm really working on. Me too. I, I, I'm one of my. I would love to be able to teach a yoga class in Spanish. 
that's one of my aspirations. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I, because I think that would give me access to, to people and, and, and to share some, some teachings that I'm very passionate about to some people that um, wouldn't necessarily come to my classes because they don't speak English. I started to go to a class actually at Chandra Ibiza, which um, ironically is above the DC 10 shop yeah. uh, in Ibiza town on Vara del Rey. And um, it was just because I, I met my neighbour actually recently at a water well, which is very random. Um, we didn't know each other and we got chatting. We discovered that we actually live next door to one another. And he'd just come back from a, a three month trip to India and he was really into yoga. And I was like, wow, this is just mental. So he told me about this class and um, I went um, with him together. And the whole thing was in Spanish, and there was quite a lot of it that was like eyes closed. I must admit, there were quite a few moments where I kind of opened my eyes and everyone was doing something completely different. And I was like, yeah, I really need to work on that. And it was a, I thought, well, I'm just going to continue to come to this class and yeah. shame myself and embarrass myself into these positions where I'm doing something that's not what I'm supposed to be doing so that I up my game and I have to up my game yeah. so that I don't continually embarrass myself. Uh, or just absorb the Spanish too. Like that even too. just the simple thing of me learning my Spanish. Mm. Um, I think attending Spanish classes is, is the best way to learn. And here we come back to the word mm -hmm. discipline. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, and discipline requires organization, you know, uh, that, meaning organizing my schedule so I can take my Spanish classes. And commitment. Yes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Dedication. That's right. Dedication. <laughs> but Back for me, it's a lot of organization, I, I, I think. I know it's this really simple thing. I mean, I even think about with my kids, one of the things that you can you can do for them is teach them how to stay at least their teachers are starting to do that as the kids get older and they get more responsibilities and they have to you know take care of themselves and so one of the skills they're teaching their the kids is just simple organizational skills so for me I feel like a lot of people are like oh my gosh how are you how are you doing all this and I'm like I have to stay super organized <laughs> my calendar uh, and scheduling in I mean, funny as it is, scheduling in my downtime. And because and, if not, my schedule takes over. So scheduling in my downtime. And, uh, and in that downtime, I, I have to put the electronics away and, and forget about time to the best of my ability. Because I think the more that we can let go of that, that, that filter of time, um, it's super healing for all of us. And the only time I get really stressed on this island is when I have to cram loads of things in, like one after the other after the other appointment. Like I, <laughs> even just coming here, I did a house viewing on the way here, and it was like, how am I going to fit all that in and not be late? Like I hate being late. It's like, it starts to really stress me out. And everybody else doesn't really seem to care on this island about being I late. Know, but being for me, late, I know. I just find it so selfish when people are thoroughly, thoroughly late. So I never, I really never am unless I can really help it. And. Yeah, when there's too many things snowballing and the lateness of other people impact on me being late for my next person, then that's when the stress kicks in for me. And that's the only thing that really, really stresses me out somehow on this island. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, in the Yoga Sutras, it's the yamas, like, you know, that we don't steal time from people. It's, mm. it's just a simple little ethic. Mm. <laughs> but, I, at the, you know, it already seems to kind of brush it off as the Spanish way. Of being late all the time, so no, um. no, 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 no. I mean, when I first started to teach at Galleria de Elefante um, in Santa Catrudas as part of that gorgeous sort of boutique there, and I just remember closing the doors like when it got to eleven o'clock when my class is starting, and you know, people sort of tapping on the window after we're like we're in the middle of meditation. It's like 
are you actually joking? Like, you know, the fury that used to rise up and everyone would be like, oh, you'll, oh, you'll get used to it. It's, you know, it's Ibiza time. And I'm like, no, it is not. Yeah. Once the class has begun, I don't think it's actually that cool to tap on the wind. Like, maybe, is that just me? Well, I, you know, our studio in Vancouver, uh, One Yoga, we, I think we have a grace period of 10 minutes. But during the opening meditation, they're not allowed to come in. So the front desk staff, if someone comes in and the doors are closed, the front desk staff keeps someone back. And then once as we come into our first posture after the meditation, they open the door and let the late people in. So, yeah, I, I can understand. I, I, find, I find it really disruptive as well when you're in the middle of centering. You know, we're in the middle of creating the platform for our, our movement mm-hmm. and um, the platform for our, our prayer. And, uh, you know, if someone's coming in it's during the middle of that, it's, it's disruptive. But, I mean, some people just don't know, so it's just simple education. You know, I, I think as yoga teachers or as yoga studios, it's about teeping, pe- teaching people a little bit about the protocol. You know, it's like they come into the studio with their shoes on. They just don't know. <laughs> so it's a little bit of our responsibility to educate them. I am actually um, teaching four um, wonderful Irish gynecologists at the moment uh, who I met last year. And then one of them yesterday, I put all the mats down, bless his heart, and I adore the pants of this man. So it's, you know, but he just had his trainers on. He just started walking across one of my mats, and I was like, uh-uh, excuse me. And he was just like, Yes. <laughs> I said, well, please, oh, you know. And I just, you feel so bad, don't yeah. you? But it's like, I, that that to me is just like a criminal offense. Yeah. <laughs> well, we have, you know, right on our, our website, and I often just copy and paste this to new people I'm working with. We just have like a, a list of, you know, we call them the yoga vows, the yoga rules. But one of them is about the mats, for sure. Taking care of the yoga mats. And, and taking care of, like, cleaning yourself. I mean, the old sages used to, like, shower before their practices. In, in Ayurveda, it's the same way. You, you clean yourself before you step into your practices. So, ideally, you're coming to the, to the mat with a, with, a, with a sense of purity. <laughs> I think it's really important. I mean, my, one of my favorite teachers, um, Balu, who I used to practice with in uh, Arambol in, in northern Goa, you know, it was all about the rules and regs were written up. You know, you shower, you're supposed to use the bathroom and empty yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, you should ideally kind of blow your nose, obviously to prepare for the pranayamas. And mm-hmm. obviously we've done in the teacher trainings all those neti pots and all that crazy mm-hmm. mad stuff that all we... That's possibly yeah. slightly excessive, but definitely the shower thing. I mean, yeah. I would never rock up to his class without having had a shower. That would have been the height of disrespect. Okay, yeah. Yeah, these, all these different kriyas to support the... The opening. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm all down for sweating my prayers, but I like to be clean before I begin that sweating process. And I, you know, absolutely as a teacher, also appreciate people turning up who are clean. You know, yeah, yeah. And anything we bring to the table together as a mutual liquid is yeah, is fine. Right. <laughs> that's right. The collective sweat. That's right. The collective phlegm release from from it's your pranayama. <laughs> I mean, you do have to get your hands quite dirty sometimes in Ibiza to work with people. Oh, yeah. That's true. There's no iron team. No, no. (laughs) And what's your sort of favorite thing about your transition here? Is there anything that just, you know, here just makes your heart sing more than anything else in the whole wide world? In Ibiza. Yeah. What, what, you know, this is quite a big change for you being here. Yeah. um, I have to say it's, it's the people. Yeah, I mean... Of course, my family, for me, you know, my, my time with my kids is so uh, tender. 
um, there's lots of, because this island's so awakening, uh, you know, I find that all of us are always very much in touch with our emotions, I find, in my family. So that's been amazing for all of us to just step into who we, who we are at a, a full level. But I, I feel like the community of people that I've met here, my, yeah, I guess you'd call them your sangha or your friends or your kula. It's just a, I have a really beautiful network, and I feel very blessed to have to have that. You know, I mean, I used to be involved with palliative care and um, working with cancer, and I remember one of the most prominent findings for longevity in life where it was, and they find this in other research outside of cancer too. It's just that having that support system is is one of the most important things, you know, that it, it has, it plays such a big role in our overall mental health, physical health, uh, and, and obviously spiritual health. So that's, that's one of the things that really sticks out for me here. I think this island attracts a lot of like-minded people. So, um, a lot of people are here living from a very intentional perspective, you know, it's a very intentional living and you think that this is a sorry the support network is a is a is a prevention for cancer well yeah they they've shown that it is yeah 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 i think what is that dr dean ornish's work i think it is dr dean ornish he's out of i think san francisco he's done um amazing research on heart disease and cancer you know, and like all researchers like to do, they like to narrow it down to three things or five things or ten things. So I think he's narrowed his down to five, like, main components in, in health prevention, you know? Yeah, because he works on preventing heart disease and preventing cancer. So, uh, but one of them was support network. I mean, you can die of loneliness, I and mean, oh, it's just a fact. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think this island... Because it's stripping your layers back, it, it, whether you want, I mean, it, whether you want to be or not, it, you're vulnerable. So, because vulnerability is the peeling back of you're exposing yourself. So, a vulnerability and intimacy go hand in hand. It's like when you become vulnerable, you know, there's that window for intimacy. So, an intimacy, it's, it gives you meaning. And it creates strong connections and relationships. So I, I find that I've had a layer of intimacy with people here that I, I've been yearning for, to be honest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe, maybe it's because there's more space here. You know, people, for, people can just, you know, they're not so busy with work. I mean, all people are working here, but they also, it's Ibiza, so they're making time to, to celebrate life, too. So... I think people are just terrified of being vulnerable, though, you know, showing that weakness, whatever, you know, that's the way it's perceived in other areas of the world. But I, I definitely think I've been more vulnerable here than I've been anywhere else in the world. And, it, and it's, I used to find it really embarrassing, like deeply. But now I'm actually, no, I'm really getting quite into being vulnerable. Actually, when it pops up, I'm like, you know, I'm not going to just cover that one up. Yeah. I'm just going to let it out. And if I need to cry in the middle of a lunch table or whatever it is, I'm just going to just let it out. <laughs> Yeah, and then Very over un-British. time. Yeah, and then over over time, we can, uh, you know, we can use tools to help how the vulnerability moves through us. So sometimes we can even 
um, use tools to help us with the crying at a lunch table because I can relate. But, um, <laughs> uh, you know, intimacy is um, that process of, of peeling back. So, you know, I wouldn't say that there's like a large community of people I'm talking about. And I think that's another beautiful reminder is that, you know, we only need a few really beautiful, intimate connections to create a support system, you know. And, 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 and that process of, um, I love to, I have this little saying that being, being vulnerable isn't for wimps. <laughs> because what vulnerability does is, is you open yourself up. And so what does that mean? It means that life is going to come at you, in, into you. So you're opening yourself to receive everything. So whether it's the good and the bad, the sweet and the prickly. So I, I think it's also about... Um, we have to be there's a strength that we have that we need to be able to process what we're we are receiving when you're vulnerable you know that that's where the strong container really comes in and more to the point someone's going to see the most most authentic piece of you which you might not think you want to show to anyone but when you do even if it's accidentally on purpose you well, someone can't help but sort of be kind of um, endeared by, by that very notion because you're just letting your real light shine. And, and if that isn't something that they want to get involved with, then, of course, you know, that's a, a time for many people to walk away. But, you know, the ones that see that vulnerability and are drawn in by it are the people that are going to be those ones that are in your support network that are actually going to be there mm-hmm. and stay there in an yes. ideal world. Yeah. Or, or you, you open yourself and, and they... And then people can relate to that I mean that's that's kind of the the art of relationships or the art of creating connection is how do people connect is people connect through relating somehow so we can all relate you know all humans can relate to um, discomfort and suffering and We're all of us, all of us are going through the same thing in, in, in a grand kind of perspective. I mean, I mean, for example, just, just on that note, like, you know, whenever I'd <clears throat> gone to teach a class in Brighton or maybe I'd gone out and had a few drinks the night before, like, I would never just turn up and not tell people I didn't have a hangover. And I would always think, oh, my God, my clients are just going to, like, walk straight back out again when I first started teaching. But I'm like, actually, no, that, you know, made them see me in as an authentic person yes I had a few glasses of wine last night I'm probably not firing in all cylinders I'm still going to give you a great class but and we're probably just going to sweat a bit more and it's going to be a bit more funny and entertaining but you know I always used to think oh I shouldn't tell anyone but then I was like actually no I just, absolutely I should it breaks the walls down all the fact that I had a whacking great big slab of cake at lunchtime feeling yeah. really stuffed and bloated and a bit sick but I'm still here yeah. still showing up still want to do this but do feel a bit swollen and uh, you know a yeah. bit, bit wheaty and it- it breaks it that they're all of a sudden I can relate to her and then there's a a, a a peeling back especially it's so beautiful to do that as a teacher because then with them letting that layer just go then the yoga practice can go that much deeper that's exactly what I used to find just honesty was the best policy or like I've you know, anyway, I've done all sorts of things as a teacher at the start of classes, like really, you know, been very upset and just thought I can't teach this class. And actually, that's the exact reason why I've forced myself, I suppose, which maybe isn't so yoga. But I have gone, no, I'm going to go anyway and just see what happens. And I'm always, always supported by whoever's there, mm-hmm. which is lovely. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> See that we've been actually talking for way longer than an hour, and uh, the rule of this podcast is an hour is the is the absolute max. I can yang on for another couple of hours easily. Oh, exactly. Thank you so much for Thank this you beautiful so much. time together. Yeah, here at Benny Ross, it's been absolutely. Yeah, delightful. Mm-hmm. And our last question, this always makes me a little bit nervous because I never normally pre-warn our guests, but we, we do always like to try and get the lovely person that's um, been entertaining us for the last hour to offer a little something back to the island. And you don't have to, but it is a question that we ask if there's anything you'd like to offer or not um, to, the, to our listeners. Do you mean a, a teaching? Like a, a session or, a, I don't know, like a whatever you kind of wanted to... I mean, you know, I have some, some classes at Open Space, and if you send me an email and you've listened to this podcast, I'd love to give you um, a free session at Open Space. Classes pick up in September September 15th, so I know that's a while from now. Um, but it's they go on all year long, so I'd love to love um, offer you some sessions at, at Open Space. Are you still doing the counselling as well? I, I, I do, yes, I do yoga therapy sessions. So those sessions um, integrate um, many modalities and, and counseling is definitely integrated into it, yes. Interesting. I th- yeah, we'll have to have a chat about that. Um, another chat. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much. And what's yeah. your website, just so that if anyone wants to kind of uh, find you for teacher training, for example? Sure, it's SuzanneFaith.com. Amazing. Great name for that. Yeah, I have faith in your teachings already. Um, thank you so much for joining us here on this uh, wonderful fish shack. Yes, ciao. Many blessings to all of you and you. Thank you, Joe. Ciao. Reset Rebel. It's the Reset Rebel. It's the Reset Rebel. It's the Reset Rebel. Coming to you every